Welcome to Story Talking with Laksh, episode 106. My name is Laksh Tata, and if you've never heard the show before, welcome. I'm glad you joined us on this show primarily. I'm going to be talking about storytelling and the creative process. In last week's episode, I covered a question that a listener had about how I deal with writer's block. So that was episode 105. This episode is also in response to a listener question. I had a a listener who has read some of my works ask me how I'm able to write, well, I think the word the listener used was engaging monologues. So for the uninitiated, a monologue is basically one person talking. This, This episode of this podcast is a monologue. A dialogue is two people talking. So to give you the additional context to what this listener was asking me, a lot of the written stories that I've put on Launchora, the writing platform that produces this this podcast, uh, which you can go and write on and share anything you want. It's free. It's a website. It's an app on Android. You can go check it out. We have uh, 200,000 storytellers currently registered to be using Launchora. I'm very happy about that. Yes. So when I write stories, they're all on Launchora, many, most of them. And many stories start off with an interesting first sentence or first line spoken by a character. Everything I write is written in the play format. So it will involve two people. I don't really write stories that are just, that's just one monologue. Although, yes, I have done that in the past. So I thought it'd be interesting to this episode about the perfect opening to a story because just coincidentally, or maybe it's a chicken and egg thing. This week, I wanted to write the opening of a story that I'm working on. That's going to be an audio play for the show that I'm producing called Play Me Life, which should be coming out sometime in January. I'm very, 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 very nervous and excited about it. We're in mid-December right now. So yeah, in about a month, uh, I'm going to be doing that. So yes, I'm writing the story, which has a working title called Subconscious Uncoupling. And if you are a regular listener, you know, I've been briefly mentioning this story over the last few weeks. The last episode, I kind of gave you a little bit of update on the story. I will catch everyone else up right now. Subconscious Uncoupling is a story about teenagers dealing with their first breakup. It is told through four characters. As of right now, I think the story is going to be in two parts, where in the first part, You're going to start by hearing two girls discussing one of the girls' breakup that just happened. And then alternatively, within that same story, I'm going to intercut between two boys talking about the one of the boys having a breakup. It's to the audience. It's going to sound like it's the same breakup. The two girls are discussing the breakup that the other two boys are discussing because one boy from that group that those two characters broke up with the girl that you're listening to talk about it. 
at some point in the process, I'm going to show you somehow through well, really amazing voice actors that these conversations are not about the same breakup. They're actually about a, two different breakups that are happening 30 years apart. And in a weird twist uh, that I'm, I don't know why I love this twist so much. The girl who is broken up with that you hear uh, in the beginning of the story, she's the mom of the guy who was broken up with in the other story. So that's what part two of the story is going to deal with. It's going to, you're going to find out that, I mean, I'm telling you the twist because it's part of the creative process. So I'm sorry if that I just ruined a story for you, but I, I bet... By the time the story comes out, you would have forgotten all about this because I'm going to release it like in, in a few months. It's going, to, it's going to be a while. So by the time the second part starts, the son and the mother are going to have a conversation about the breakup. And it was actually something I shared previously that every time I've come up with something to add to the story, because I'm, I'm still very early in the writing process. I'm right now only just writing dialogue that I think will be in this story. I haven't re really written scenes out. So this week I decided, you know what? I seem to only be favoring the mother and son conversation and I didn't really write anything that I liked for the teenagers only conversations. So there's, to just give you this context, Technically, there are three separate conversations happening in this story. There's the two girls, Kiran and Vial. There's the two boys, Vishal and Jaggi. And then there's the mother and son, which is going to be Kiran and Vishal. So three separate conversations. Two are going to happen. Well, alternatively, I'm going to keep switching between them in the first part. And then the second part is entirely the mother and son. So this week I told myself, what if I don't even want to write? Uh, it was just something that kept on staying in my head and I couldn't get it out. What if the reason that I'm not able to write the part one well is because I really just want to write part two. I just want to write the mother and son chat. However, when this listener asked me this question about how do I write these, these monologue sequences where a person just goes on a, you know, sometimes two-minute, three-minute, four-minute, five-minute monologue? Uh, those can feel like a lot to a, to a reader and especially a listener because it's just one person talking. It has to be really engaging for you to, for you to stay involved. When this listener asked me this question, I thought that could be a fun challenge to try out. What if I wrote a very intriguing and engaging and completely draws you in opening monologue for part one. And that way I'll know if I am interested in writing the teenager's story first, instead of just directly jumping to the mother and son talking about the son's breakup. And the way, by the way, I'm doing the first part is that the girl, Kiran, is going to tell Bile that her boyfriend just broke up with her and it's the last day of school. And then 
I'm going to switch to the guys talking about Vishal is going to tell Juggy that, yeah, uh, I just broke up with my girlfriend. You're going to find out later, because that's going to make it sound like Vishal broke up with Kiran from the previous conversation, right? You're going to find out later that Vishal was lying to Juggy. It was, it was Vishal's girlfriend who broke up with him. And then he's going to open up about that with his mother. And then the mother is going to sort of share her experience with her son in a very, well, not admitting that she had boyfriends kind of way. Because the first, so the first caution of the conversation is happening in 1989, and one is happening in 2019. And I'm very much realizing just now that I just gave this conversation my lifespan. So I told myself, you know what? I'm going to try writing this monologue, and if I can't do it, that means I'm not interested in writing the teenager side of the story. So this is what I started with, and, and I can share with you really what happened in the creative process of this, which happened yesterday over the course of about two hours, okay? So I started with asking myself, what needs to happen at the beginning of his story for you, the listener, to immediately be drawn in. And in order for me to answer that, I started thinking of when have I heard something that immediately makes me go, oh, I want to know what's happening here. So it really became about the listener's perspective. What if I dropped you, the listener, right in the middle of a conversation where one character just goes on this monologue and you don't even have time to think about what happened before this scene. You have no idea what's happening, really. And then it gets turned on your head when you find out that this monologue is about, is, is someone breaking up with someone. That's what you're going to find out as she speaks. And you're going to be listening to this girl give this speech to who you will think is her current boyfriend, that I'm breaking up with you. And the last line of the monologue reveals that the girl is actually repeating to her best friend that this is how he broke up with me. So let me repeat what I just said so that even I know what I'm talking about. Kiran is going to tell Pyle this monologue. You're going to think she's saying it to a guy because you don't know who Karen is. You don't know who Pyle is. It's the opening lines of a story. You're going to think she's breaking up with a guy. At the end, she's going to say, so yeah, that's what he said. And then Pyle's going to be like, wait, is that how he... Is that really what he said? Is this how he breaks up with you after two years with you? So blah, blah, blah. You're going to find out that, oh, she's repeating something. And now you're immediately... Instead of thinking that why would someone break up with someone this way? Why would this girl break this guy's heart this way? You find out she just got her heart broken by this guy. That's what the monologue has to achieve. Okay? As soon as I knew this part, that that's what the monologue, that's what the opening is about, I immediately knew that I need to write this scene. And here's the thing about how I write. I am not a rewrite person. I don't usually 
I, I mean, whenever I'm, when I'm writing a story, I do go through rewrites, but they're mostly me adding and removing lines of dialogue and scenes. But usually if I write um, a little patch of a, of a monologue, I want it to come out uh, un, well unpolished. Because the way you and I talk, the way we talk to each other, we don't have a script when we're talking. Clearly, you can tell by me talking to you right now that I don't have a script about this. So I'm going to be jumping around. I'm going to go on tangents. I'm going to take pauses. I'm going to say ahs and ums. It's not going to sound... It's, it shouldn't really sound super well thought out and eloquent and, you know, just very well structured. However, when it comes to writing something really intriguing and something that draws the audience in, your focus really has to be, A, are they going to get what's happening? Because if at any point the listener feels confused, they're just going to leave and you're going to be disappointed. So first thing, are they going to get what's happening? Second thing, am I giving them something that they really haven't heard told this way before? Because if I really want you to like and listen to the whole thing, I can't make it too real. I can't make it too unpolished. So in the last episode, I actually talked about how you're never supposed to notice the writer in a story. The writer is supposed to completely remove themselves and keep the attention away from themselves when they're writing something. However you still have to say things in a way that looks like it was prepared with a lot of thought. I, as a reader or a listener, want to appreciate the writer and what they're doing, but I also don't want to feel like this couldn't happen in real life. Because remember, the name of the show is Play Me Life. I want you, the listener, to feel like you're just in a conversation that is happening. What I have to do, what my role is as a writer, is to make sure it's an interesting conversation. It's to make sure that you feel like not only is this something that I took some took uh, I don't know a, a feeling from by by the time it was over, it was also a, a well told story. And the difference between life and a story is that a story is pre written. And life is pretty much as it goes. So the challenge here with, with these original Play Me Life stories that I'm writing, they have to feel almost real. But they still have to be a story. They have to be stories that feel real. Okay? So that's, that's, that's what I, ha I walked in with when I told myself I'm going to write an opening monologue that's going to draw you in but also make you feel very much like this This is how 17-year-olds talk, this is how 17-year-olds think, and this is exactly what would happen if you were in this person's position, or it could happen if you were in this one person's position, okay? Now, the interesting thing that I had to, again, keep in my head when writing this monologue, or at least telling myself that I'm going to write this monologue, was that this story is going to eventually reach a point where the speech that the 
girl, Kiran, repeats that her boyfriend gave to her, you're later going to find out that that's probably how his girlfriend, the son's girlfriend, Vishal's girlfriend, used something similar to break up with him. Really, despite what I'm making it sound as confusing as to be right now, the story is about a girl and a guy bring, being broken up with. They just happen to be related. And these conversations happen 30 years apart. What I really like about it, the whole structure, and now I can't really let go of part one just because of how this monologue is going to put everything together for me. The scene in the beginning is happening because of the scene that happens later. So I'm telling you the 1989 story because of what's happening in 2019. If the son did not get broken up with, if Vishal's girlfriend did not break up with him, this story would not include the 1989 scene of the mother slash Kiran remembering that scene. So think of it this way. The audio medium is pretty much letting me tell you a memory in real time. But I'm telling it to you chronologically. So think of it this way. You're Vishal. You come home and your friend shows up and he's like, uh, dude, you don't look okay. What happened? And then Vishal's like, oh, I got to tell him that uh, my girlfriend broke up with me, but I'm not really there yet. I don't want to open up about that. So I'm just going to tell him we broke up and he's going to assume that I broke up with her and then I'm not going to correct him. And then Juggy, your friend, leaves and then your mom shows up and she's like, something's wrong. Tell me what happened. And then you actually admit to your mom, you being Vishal, that my girlfriend broke up with me. Now, the mother is going to be in this position where she's going to remember that 30 years ago, she was in her son's shoes. She got broken up with on the last day of school, exactly the same way, in a very similar situation by her boyfriend. Now she's going to remember what happened 30 years ago, and then she's going to use that memory to teach her son that this stuff happens, and I've been where you've been. I mean, she's not going to do it in such a... I'm not telling you the scene in terms of what the dialogue's going to be. This is what the conversation's going to be. Now, me as the storyteller, because this isn't a video, I can actually show you the 1989 breakup and make it look like it's happening today. Because to Kiran, when her son mentions that he got broken up with, her memory is, is, is going to be as, you know, real as whatever is happening to her right now. So, are you still with me on this? I'm then going to, as a, as a storytelling structure, start with the 1989 story, because I think that's fun to do, and then jump into 2019. And then it's all going to, for the listener and for you, it's all going to start making sense. And my job is to really make it poetic. To show you that what the girl, what the girl Kiran was thinking, the son, her son 30 years later is also thinking. Okay? Now, that's what 
I walked in with, right? Then came the real challenge of writing the monologue. And going back to what I was saying about me not liking to rewrite. Ever since I've started writing Play Me Life, I've put more pressure on myself because I know it's a new medium and it hasn't been done before, at least by me. And it hasn't really been done in this way uh, with stories of Indian people in this context. So with this one, telling myself that I need an interesting opening monologue, I realized that I want to try to do multiple drafts of just this monologue. I'm going to not put a lot of pre on pressure on myself to get the final version in the first version, which meant I had more freedom with the first draft of the monologue where I could put in everything I wanted and then just see what happens with what materials I give myself and pretty much treat it like grocery shopping. I don't know what I'm going to cook, but I'm going to buy some extra ingredients. And once I have all the ingredients and I get home, I'm going to start putting things together. And then whatever I think is going to make the best dish, I'm going to use all those ingredients. I may not use the others, but I might use them later in another scene or perhaps in another story. Okay. So when I actually sat down to do this, when I sat down to write the monologue, I couldn't do it. Okay, I'm telling you this happened yesterday. So here's the trick I applied to get out of that. And again, this it, it technically isn't a writer's block. I just didn't want to start with the monologue because it felt like it felt like I'm going to rewrite this monologue until I finish the story. It felt like I need to really write more of the story until I can get this opening right. Because the opening, like I said, is the mom's memory. So as much as it should feel real, it, as much as it should feel like what her boyfriend said to her when he was breaking up with her and she's now repeating it to tell her best friend what happened, really it's 47-year-old Kiran remembering what that boyfriend said to her 30 years ago. And if you think about that, think about how some of the most crucial in conversations of your life, you're not going to remember everything the other person said. You're not even going to remember everything you said. You're going to remember how you felt when they said what they said. And if you have to relive that memory, if you have to remember it so you can help this person who is going through something similar, Empathy is going to kick in and you're going to remember the feeling and the feeling is going to tra translate into words. So really when I'm writing this opening monologue, I'm writing what she remembers feeling. Still, at the same time, I'm also technically tricking you into thinking these conversations are happening at the same time. So it has to feel real enough as a dialogue, as, as a conversation that anyone could have. Okay. So here's what I started doing when I got pretty much stuck on, on a blank sheet. I decided to write the rest of the scene, that opening scene where Kiran is telling her best friend Payal, two 17-year-old girls, that my boyfriend broke up with me. I wrote the rest of the scene, which is basically Payal's reaction and her questions for Kiran. And here's the interesting thing that happened when I started doing that. When Payal would say something, Kiran would 
answer that question and react in a specific way. I knew through her reaction what mood she was in. I didn't know what mood she was in before when I was trying to write the monologue. I had no idea what mood she was on. But when Pyle started asking her questions about what she just said, I could see that, for example, Pyle asks her, wait, is that what he really said? Because it sounds like you, well, you know, did something. Because it doesn't sound like he would say all that. And then Kiran admits that I told you what he meant because that's what I that's what I remember him saying, or that's that's what I feel like. And does it matter if I know what he meant? Oh, sorry. Wait. Does it matter what he really said if I know what he meant? That's what Kiran says, and that is the line that made me feel like, yeah, this is Kiran remembering the past and not really being in the past. So that's I wrote this little scene, and. Through the Kiran and Pyle conversation, I knew that I had an opening scene, just not the first part of that scene, which is the opening monologue that Kiran's going to give. So my challenge now became, this is what I have to figure out, right? I need to know the first, first scene. Still stuck at no monologue. So what I really did then is think of this experience, this writing experience as, as being in three acts, okay? The first act is basically the pre-writing plan of me doing this monologue, you know, finding that opening that deserves the rest of the story that I'm going to make, which is something I just literally just talked about in the last 20 minutes. Then there's act two, which is the writing of the rest of the scene and leaving the monologue until after that scene is complete. In a way, then, what I'm really doing is I'm informing myself of what the monologue needs to contain in terms of information in order to get the reaction that Pyle gave in that scene. And if you really think about it, Pyle is a proxy for you, the audience, in, in that opening scene. Because she's hearing what you're hearing, okay? So that's act two. So, so far in this episode of Story Talking, we've covered act one and two of the writing of this whole sequence. Act three, which is the final act which all stories need, is the actual monologue. So, when I sat down to write this monologue, and I really didn't think I was going to be able to do it last night, spoiler alert, something did come out. Here's what I started with. I told myself that I need to ask myself certain questions about this scene so that I can know what to write. The first question I asked myself was, what is Kiran's mood when she's saying all of this? What is her tone when she's saying that first monologue? Well, the words that she'll be using will be words that he used, probably. These words will be things that she personally, Kiran, is hurt by because she's paraphrasing what he said in a much harsher and self-critical tone. She's going to tell Pyle, this is why he broke up with me, even though he didn't say it this way. So she's going to be self-critical, okay? The content will be not so nice then. 
but her tone will reflect pain. So that should confuse the audience a little bit. She seems to be saying something to the audience. It's going to look like she's breaking up with someone, but you're going to feel like, why does she sound hurt? So you will think that, oh, you know, this girl's a bitch or something because she's saying all this mean stuff to this guy, right, to, her, to his face. But really, by the time you find out, by the end of the monologue, which I'm guessing is going to be like two or three minutes, she's the one who feels this way herself about herself. Because he said things that led her to feel these things. And isn't that how we really remember conversations, coming back to that idea of, you know, feelings and, and memories? So that's why I realized this as a beginning makes sense. Because the son will open up to her later about how he was broken up with. And then she's going to remember what happened to her that day exactly 30 years ago. The next question I asked myself was, what does Karen think of herself at this point in her life that she already was insecure about before this breakup? that she will eventually voice out during this monologue or in the rest of the conversation that's taking place in 1989. Then I asked myself, what can this opening monologue contain that would reflect the rest of the story, especially tying into what the son feels later? That last part is really what's going to make the story come full circle. And the final, final question that i posed at myself before I sat down to write whatever I think the first draft is going to be. Why is this story, this opening, worth listening to? How do I add the poetic poeticness, I guess, to this real-life situation? Because when you write a scene or a dialogue, you know, we write in a predetermined way, as I mentioned earlier. Characters don't know what the other is going to say, but we, the writers, do. So we shape it like you would a poem, like a song. There's a this and then a that. That's what this whole story is going to be. There's going to be a this and then there's going to be a that. Similar to how Shakespeare wrote all his plays in a way. Now, real conversations don't do this and that. Real conversations are this, 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 that, that, this, this, that, 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 and then for some reason, something else. So when I sat down to write this monologue, I'm thinking about how much do I want to sound grounded first in what the boyfriend said, and then second in what she thinks he meant, so she adds that to what she's saying to Pyle, and then the layer of what she remembers him saying, since this is a memory she's remembering 30 years later. And then all of this has to somehow be felt in this monologue by the end. First by me, the writer, and then by you, the audience. I really think that in order to deliver something interesting in this fictional life, I have to give you something that you can relate to. Something poetic, something memorable, something with a this and that. 
Now, here's the interesting thing. When I sat down to write the opening monologue, the first line I wrote is this. What I'm about to say now. You're this, but you're also that. That's the first sentence of the monologue. I wrote that at, I think, 10 p.m. And then I put my computer away. And then at 2 a.m., I came back to my computer. And then I wrote the entire first draft. Now, this first draft has like four or five sections right now. And like I said before about grocery shopping, this probably has only 40% of the ingredients I need. I haven't even shopped for the remaining 60. What I do know is that even the 40% I have, I may only end up using like 10% of it. But what I do know is that I have the first draft complete of just this first opening monologue. By the time you listen to this play, when it comes out in a few months, you're probably going to be listening to the eighth draft of that scene. In closing of, of, of this monologue that I've been doing for 33 and a half minutes now, if you're ever thinking, how, does, how did that person write that scene? How did that person write that line? How did that person write that whole monologue? Just know that it was all planned out. It took possibly hours and hours and hours of rethinking, re-remembering, and a lot of this, and a lot of that, and a little bit of something else. Thank you for listening to Story Talking with Laksh. My name is Laksh Tata. This was episode 106. We're almost done with this year. And I'm so this is technically season two is going on of story talking because I've started making it seasonal in a yearly way. 2020 is going to be starting very soon. I'm going to share some really hopefully amazing news uh, in upcoming episodes. I'm going to do a year end of the year episode again where I'll share a lot of what I've learned this year as a storyteller and what I'm bringing with me into 2020 as as a writer and what maybe I'm going to try to let go of and leave it in 2019. Thank you for listening. I'll see you in the next one.